This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, welcome back. Uh, once again, Disaster Divas for a blockbuster week. I am here with my, I am Jordan Cruciola, here with my co-host. Amanda Smith. And it is a blockbuster for two reasons. One, we are doing a big, shiny tentpole movie. And two, we have an incredible guest. Guest, why don't you introduce yourself and give everybody the big reveal? Yes, it is, it is I, Van Lathan. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know who Damn. I am. Uh, yeah, but Van Lathan, co-host of both Way Down in the Hole, the, the number one wire rewatch podcast in the world for the right. Ranger, and Higher Learning, mm -hmm. uh, also on the Ranger Network. And we are here to discuss one of my very favorite movies, The Day After Tomorrow, a Roland Emmerich jewel of cinema. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, it is. We we like to save the the biggest movies for guests, so they can, you know, hey, if a guest ever wants to come on and talk about a made-for-sci-fi channel classic from 2004, that's totally cool. But we we like to leave the most delicious apples on the tree to be plucked by those who are good enough to join us. And I'm very excited that we finally get to get into, like you said, this Roland Emmerich stone cold classic of maybe not even just the disaster genre, but of cinema generally yeah listen i remember i saw this movie it was i think it's 2004 i'm pretty sure it's 2004 so i was just out of college and i was still in that stage where i was going to i thought that my life would make a difference <laughs> you know what i mean so like like i wanted to be and this movie wasn't just about you know if the aliens come mm -hmm. because if the aliens come Basically, we gotta wait for them to screw up, right? You know, mm -hmm. you know, the aliens come. We gotta, we need Jeff Goldblum, or we need just them to get, we you know, Tom Cruise. Uh, we need Tom Cruise, or in that movie, it wasn't really Tom Cruise. It was extraterrestrial syphilis that ended up killing them. They they came here and they got diseased and all that stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, they. But in, in this movie though, this movie was one to where I thought, hey, I'm gonna go there and learn stuff about <laughs> how I can stop impending environmental doom right, from yeah. destroying the earth. Mm -hmm, and as mm -hmm. soon as I got down and sat down in the theater, I was like, no, there's nothing I can do to Because, <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, the, the disasters do win in this sure. movie. Yeah, like, yeah. the disasters do win in that way that I, one of my favorite things about Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I really hope we get to on this pod at some point, uh, is that Vera Farmiga's character, spoiler, like, is right. Like, she, like, the, the villain, the villain is an eco-terrorist, mm -hmm. and she's just right about everything, it turns out, which, like, yes, you know, the, the forces of good, quote-unquote, win the day as they must in a franchise like that, but at the same time, she's validated in her entire concept at the end. It's like, oh, well, I guess we got to have our cake and eat it, too. We got yeah. to, you know, the, the disaster was unstoppable. The disaster did win. The villain was vanquished, but also did win. And that's kind of, that's a thrill, that's one of the most thrilling things to me about the disaster movie is that you kind of get to have, you get to have it all. 
You get to yeah. have tornadoes in Los Angeles. You get to have hurricanes consuming the entire northern hemisphere. And then you get to have Jake Gyllenhaal in a library with Emmy Rossum. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's survival. It's it, like that's this is one of those fun. This is one of the fun disasters where it's about survival. It's not about figuring out the solution, which is inevitably nuking it. Like yeah. there's no there's no point where we all have to sit there and be like, would funneling the lava into a tube actually help? It's just like, <laughs> no, they just have to they just have to make it through this alive. And I love when it's I love when we get one of those and it's satisfying. And this is that, a great example. That is the thing that I was going to say is that yeah. like like when survival is just winning. Like that is, I love that because that's something we can all maybe do. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're all going to fail at it eventually, but that's something that we can all, if you tell me like one of the best parts of this movie is when Jake Gyllenhaal is trying to convince people Mm-hmm. That not doing anything is the way that you actually are going to survive this. If you go do some stuff, you're going to die out there trying to do it. Just stay here. Don't do shit. And like, and, and, and like, I like that. Like, I like that because, you know, that shows you uh, it breaks us down to our basis levels as, uh, uh, as human beings, which mm-hmm. our baser instincts are just to survive. Yes. Now, would you would who would like to give the van? Would it like to? Would you like to give the summary of what the day after tomorrow is about uh, to get us kicked off? Oh, without a doubt, sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's set the stage. Yes. The the, the movie starts off with Dennis Quaid looking as handsome as he's looked <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> Maybe since yeah. Inner Space. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh like, shit, oh. inner space. That was very <laughs> hot, Dennis. <laughs> he, was, he was very, he was very handsome in inner space, uh-huh. right? Um, he's he's addressing the UN, and they all seem very pensive and into what he's saying. He's telling people that we are on the trajectory to environmental catastrophe if we don't act now. And of course, the rest of the world is listening to him with bated breath. Except for the vice president of the United States of America. God damn it. Who's always us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's basically wearing a Make America Great Again hat and saying, yo, <laughs> uh, I, I, we can't afford to care about the world. Blah, 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 blah. Dennis Quaid tries to go back and forth. He tells him, no, they asked Dennis Quaid when this is going to happen. And he says, might be 100 years, might be 1,000 years, but mm-hmm. we're on the trajectory to... Uh, to uh, environmental catastrophe. Turns out, people, it's not 100 years or 1,000 years. It's not even 100 hours. Yeah. <laughs> because then it, it flips to India, where it's snowing. That's yeah. where they're at. <laughs> By the way, in India, that's a sign. Anyway, uh, several different fronts start to happen. We go from New York. Mm-hmm. We go to, I think, the coast of Scotland or something like that. Yeah, that would like you know that's where like the outpost is for the UK, yeah. which right. will thank God factor in with the royal family later on in the movie. Absolutely, yeah. this huge environmental catastrophe comes uh, I, that that is ushering in the second ice age, and we have dueling storylines between Dennis Quaid and his son, who's trapped Jake Gyllenhaal in a library in New York. His ex-wife is it ex-wife? Uh, yeah, they're yes. Well, or, yes, they're they're separated if not divorced. Yes, yes. Ex-wife who is a uh, she's a doctor and she she works in a clinic and she is trapped there waiting for a patient to come get saved. Basically, 
The whole world is coming apart at the seams, yes. and Dennis Quaid is trying to get to his son to save him mm. from freezing to death in New York. That is the main emotional tether of the movie. Yeah. Everything else that's happening is just about uh, you got uh, tornadoes in Los Angeles, which has never happened before, which I live here, which is frightening. You got all, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff happening all over the world because we are in, in, in like environmental cataclysm and the second ice age is coming. That's the best and, I can do. Yeah, and the, and, and the, I think like this was definitely the coolest looking movie I had ever seen, I think at the time that I saw oh, yeah. it. And the, the storm cells, the the massive, the circuit of hurricanes that like surrounds the Northern hemisphere, they're gonna be located, like there's one in the States, there's one over like Russia, mm-hmm. East Asia, and there's one over like the UK, like Europe area is kind of the epicenters of them. They have those giant eyes right? where they're like, it's like hundreds of miles across or hundreds of kilometers. And they have that thing where when those eyes wash, cause like the hurricanes are bad, the winds are bad, but when the eyes come over, they That's pull a super frozen air. What is it they say? From the upper troposphere through the center <laughs> of the soul. Yeah. And they freeze everything Actual, instantly, instantly on contact. Instantly. <laughs> the, yep. the race it against time, the, the race against time of the troposphere air freeze and the eye of the hurricane seizing Manhattan mm-hmm. is, so, is so burned in my mind. That is formative cinema. Right. Yeah. I was still surprised, like watching it again, I fully thought it came way earlier in the movie because of how like strong of an impression it made on me the first few times I've watched it. Yeah. I if, if you would have asked me, I'd have been like, it's at the halfway mark. I know exactly <laughs> when it is. And the moment I thought it was gonna be was when the big boat shows up. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> wait, hold on. There's an entire rest of this movie. I forgot about yeah. that. It was very the, exciting. The I will say just, just to see. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go. I was going to say, this, the, the CGI tsunami was the pinnacle to me of special effects mm-hmm. up to that point in cinema, where because the, the hurricane's coming over New York, it pulls so much water away from the city. And then ob- inevitably, obviously, the wave comes crashing back. I mean, it is as tall as New York City skyscrapers. And it was that w- that particular effect was featured in a package that Vulture did last year of like um of special effects. And it was the, I think the title was the hardest effect I ever created. And so there was an individual spotlight on that wave, that, that CGI, that CGI digital artist was like, that was the toughest thing I ever pulled off. I mean, it was, it was, it was stunning. It was like seeing it. It was like watching documentary footage at the the time. That was how fucking convincing that was. You know what? In many ways, the day after tomorrow was like a culmination of a mini resurgence of the disaster movie that happened in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. Because remember when we had, I think it was one summer or alternating years, I was in my last uh, couple of years of high school where we had two Comet movies come out at the same time, yeah. basically. Deep Impact Armageddon. Deep Impact and Armageddon. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. Armageddon is the more memorable of those two movies. <laughs> although, and, and, I will, and I will ride for Deep Impact as the better of those two movies. I think Deep Impact is better, although Deep Impact has a scene in it that's too sad for me. The beach do. is it the beach? Oh Jesus Christ, Jesus. man! Like, 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 I started to walk out of the movie at that point. <laughs> yeah. it was, like, I'm sitting there. By the way, I took a date to that movie. <laughs> like, you, you, you hear me? Like, I, I, like, I guess at that point you're like, well, hey, we have nothing else to live for. We gotta live for today. Yeah. I mean, if you, right, you, like, 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 like,
die in a huge. I'm like, that's not what the fuck I came out here for. Isn't, like, isn't her last word, Daddy? Daddy, and then cradles into him, yeah. and he just protects her, and then they die. So anyway, so yeah. like, you have those movies, and it kind of yeah. and then the day after tomorrow is basically Roland Emmerich going, okay, Armageddon, okay, blah blah blah, okay, even my the last movie I made, I'm gonna show you guys that I can <laughs> go bigger. <laughs> I'm gonna give you hurricanes and freezing people and tornadoes <laughs> and all of it and heartbreaking stuff all yes. in the same movie. Top this, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think the perfect storm was even a little bit before that, which is it also was, yeah. sad as hell. Oh, perfect oh, storm yeah. is, is brutal. White, yeah, and White Squall, fuck that movie. Too. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? So all of those and and this movie kind of tied it all together. So I had to see it. Yeah. That's a very good point. And I will put this to both of you then. Do we, is the day after tomorrow, maybe there's one, I'm just not thinking of it. Is the day after tomorrow, like you said, it is kind of a culmination of the disaster form, especially at that time. Is that where the super disaster was really cemented? Like, yes, a comet could take out the earth and that is a global scale. But like in that, in that wave of movies, you have the perfect storm, you have Twister, you have Volcano. You have these movies with very, very localized disasters that are epic in their scope, yet local. But in this one, it's the, it's not just a hurricane. It's not just a tornado. It is a convergence of years of environmental neglect that means the entire planet is about to turn against us in every imaginable way. Was this the was this the beginning of that? Jordan, the geostorm? How fucking dare you? How fucking dare you? No, I I wanted to be 2003 the core. Okay. Well, oh, how, yeah. How the very dare you? I, I forgot. Right. I forgot. Right. About how, I've, as you're, I was like, I know what road she's going down, and I'm about to get real hurt that it's true. The core, true. personal yeah. favorite. I, I was not. actually, I was seeing a different movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, this is what happened. Yeah. I was seeing a different movie in the theaters, and I was walking out, and I saw a poster for the core, which was playing in that same theater, mm-hmm. and I went straight to the box office. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was, I was like, nah, man. I was like, nah. Yeah, turn what, back what around. Thirty, like thirty minutes. I, I want one. Give me one for the core. Watch it. I gotta see it. I yeah, gotta see it. Impeccable. The right. core is impeccable. Right. The a core. movie of thespians trapped in a container <laughs> in the core of the earth. Like, God. Why not put Delroy Lindo in with San Lee Tucci and be like, do your best character work of your life. <laughs> Well, in on her way to two Oscars, beating Annette Benning both times. Yeah, this was, you- that was her trying to get her shit off, though. Like that was her <laughs> that she was still on the climb right there. Hillary was, yeah, man. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and what a, and what a platform from which to launch. Exactly <laughs> right. So, I love you're, you're, of course, you're right, Amanda. You're right, Amanda. But the, they I, they definitely they don't they, like they, this. Really, what an this era. Was the, no, this was like one of the first true like this is all encompassing. Which I just the thing I wanted to say before I want to seat this like historically because we're all old now. But in 2004, <laughs> there's probably a lot of people who don't necessarily remember 2004. So we have 9/11 in 2001. Right. The fact that they destroy New York. There's actually scenes in this that are like reminiscent of the actual. Um, the terror attacks, but destroying this is the first movie that goes back and is like, no, we're gonna fuck up New York shit. Nothing's safe yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, obviously the vice president is Dick Cheney. Like that's just he's yeah. he's somehow still a less morally vacuous Dick Cheney. Um, which you wouldn't think is possible, but yeah, Dick Cheney is basically Darth fucking Vader. Yeah. So like you, you, you wouldn't think that it couldn't like you wouldn't think it could get worse, but it can apparently. Yeah. It can yeah. still right. still could get worse than guy who's like, no, I don't care about the end of the world. The Dick Cheney still existed. Right. Uh, 
So you've got all that going on. And then, yeah, the fact that suddenly we have this much more like turn to the global because it's 2004 and suddenly the Chinese market, all these other markets are so huge suddenly. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're right. This is the first, like, this is one of the first kind of leading into the global. It's very rare now that we get a disaster that's, that's centralized. The idea of, I think the, the core, I think was part of this too, but I think what we, what we see here, like the international consortium of disaster solutions, Mm -hmm. because we are in that globalized world, we are in that connected world. We are the, the interconnected world. So like something like a 2012, it's the nation, you know, the Roland Emmerich special. It's the nations coming together. Independence right. Day, the nations coming together. This wandering earth, one oh. out, of, out of China, wandering earth. It is yeah. the, the global alliance has, you know, finally the problem big enough to make all peoples come together under the banner of humanity uh-huh. to confront the issue that is the, the globalization era of of disaster genre and I'm, I'm very interested like I, suddenly the socio-political aspects of this while always interesting are really gelling for me right now in the way in the way of it's like post like late 90s post 9-11 truth which coincides with our like surge in awareness of like climate catastrophe and the idea of it like getting closer or at that like two minutes to midnight basically right, in terms yeah. of climate disaster where we're hitting that threshold where it's it's there's it's the event horizon, the event right. horizon of climate change catastrophe. And I remember seeing a movie with my homeboys and then like walking out of the theaters and then being like, yo, man, could that shit really happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. I'm like, hey, hey, fam, don't litter, bro. Don't litter. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, bro. like we should have carpooled. Oh, yeah. Like, like, is that and then like, like is that shit really going? Because it's. You know, it's also one of those movies where, you know, it's not as if, like, fundamentally, when you watch Armageddon, you mm-hmm. think of the triumph of the human spirit, right? Absolutely, yes. You, you, you think, okay, uh, once again, super good-looking guy, yeah. Ben Affleck, and formerly great-looking guy, Bruce Willis, <laughs> holding on to it. They got to go and drill into an asteroid. Yeah. To, <laughs> you know what? Way to go, Michael Bay. You got <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm this podcast's resident Michael Bay apologist, so right. yes. but no yes. one needs to ever apologize for Michael Bay. I'm sorry, that's just I, I mean, I like maybe it. for him personally, but like not as a not as a filmmaker genre. Right. Bless, yeah. those, bless the heroes of Armageddon specifically for having their key stipulation for participation in this event be no taxes for the no, rest of our lives. Never want to pay taxes. Again. I I super relate to that request now. At the time. <laughs> funny but i don't but now i'm like shit if i could just like taxes forever never pay taxes again <laughs> yeah. i've done enough yeah. um, it's too well, much work when you see a movie like that which is kind of like the you know we're gonna be better than something yeah. it's almost diametrically opposed to a movie to where we're the villains yeah like, exactly. like we're the villains it's all our fault we have to survive this huge thing that's that we created and throughout the entire movie, it's really the little mini human dramas that like pull this gigantic disaster story together. And I like that type of thing. I even like the courting, and that just shows you horniness always wins. Yeah, the, it is so true. The courting that that Jake Gyllenhaal is doing yep. to the always lovely Emmy Rossum, yes. it's it, 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 it it's happening even though they don't even know. Yeah. How long they got to live? He still, hey, gotta make it go happen, bro. Yeah, you know I, gotta, I gotta shoot I my still, shot. 
Gotta shoot your shot still. I, I, I love this movie, man. Yeah, in it, terms of the reality index, like that, just to, to, to talk about that first, like the reality of it, there was never a moment in my mind where I was like, he is going to be distracted by anything other than the fact no. that he gets, he, like, he needs to make a move on Emmy Rossum, and like that is his key goal in all of this. Like, yeah. Everyone else might want to survive. Jake Gyllenhaal is really excited that he gets like his character gets to hug a girl while wearing his boxers. Yeah, I, mean, it's, yeah. it's, I get it. I was like, doubt it. The whole end of the world thing kind of worked out for him. Yeah, because he was losing the battle between old Mister Preppy Pants, smarty, good-looking dude yeah. before this. Yeah, if he wasn't able to show his medal during an apocalyptic scenario, <laughs> yeah. he might have not gotten a girl. So I guess he should be happy that the whole thing went the way that it did. Well, in this movie, really adheres to core logic as well. The core logic, which is a, Kyle Buchanan is a big, uh, the New York Times carpetbagger Kyle Buchanan is a really big fan of small stakes, of local stakes movies. And the, like what you were saying at the very beginning of this, Van, the, the wonderfully honed in on emotional little like the heartbeats of this movie are what may or wait keep you in there because surviving the end of the war like taking on the end of the world too big but like surviving for one person we can do that yeah, yeah. quite surviving for his son and finding him he can do that seal award surviving in the hospital to protect her patients she can do that in the in the heat of the moment when the city of new york is frozen over and they're all going to be flash frozen he's like i've got a i've got emmy rossum and i need to focus on her i am i am a high school boy and i need to focus on this high school girl <laughs> right that is what is getting them through these things and that does feel very believable in the event that we are in now where we have been utterly abandoned by greater federal leadership we truly only do have mutual policing to get us through a fucking pandemic that is happening yep. Yep. so but my god one, one facetime at a time we are <laughs> yep literally one facetime at a time before i go to sleep mama yep are you okay do you have a sniffle have you been going outside yep. one bit because I can't rely on anybody other than me to nope. check up on my mama and my mm -hmm. elderly grandmother every single yep. day. Exactly. And that is that is somehow in the the emergent soullessness of Roland Emmerich's films at the time. He was still so good at that. Yeah, he's yeah. the man. I fought yeah. with him. This is why I wanted to talk about. I like I was delighted. I rewatched and I was delighted to be in the moment that I, I want to I tell these stories on all on on every movie podcast I did the big picture I talked about the time that I accosted um um Jason Schwartzman at a Bevmo in LA but <laughs> but I also I did the same with Emmy Rossum like like Emmy Rossum was walking down the street in Bedford I was working as on Bedford I was working as a camera guy from TMZ I shoot the people uh -huh. right so I got my shot of her going in she's always very lovely to the camera guys she's That's walking true. down Bedford she knows she's going to get shot. So she's yeah. always very lovely to the camera. But coming out, um, <clears throat> I was like, I'm a huge fan of yours. She goes, you like Shameless? I go, no, I've never seen Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was like, I was like, no, I've never seen it. I'm a huge fan of yours from the day after tomorrow. She finished my sentence. <laughs> She finished my sentence and she said, that's a good one. And I'm like, yes, that's a good one. And then she, then she walks away. She walks back to her car. Lovely lady. Always just come out there all the time. Very, very lovely lady. Very nice. That's the, that's the, that's the, really the assessment of, 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 is the celebrity a nice person? Yeah. How are they treating the photographer? 
Yeah. Not necessarily how are they treating the other famous people, but how are they treating the photographers <laughs> and the, the people just living their lives around them every day. So I'm very glad to hear that. Thank you, Emmy Rossum. Sweet, sweet lady. For also your service. It's important that someone appreciate, like when they appreciate their less than, you know, the, the performances that might not get the prestige attention. Right. That aren't going to be in the, the Emmy and or Oscar conversation. Yeah. There was the By story the that was going around about Ben Stiller told Gene Hackman he was a big fan of his from Poseidon Adventure because it was such like a seminal movie. It's like, what made me want to be a director? And Gene Hackman basically said, fuck you and walked away. I'm sorry, Preacher Gene. If that's going to be your response, like you don't you don't deserve it. You don't deserve what? the adulation of Ben Stiller. That's what uh, it is. I think <laughs> that in part that there was a part of me that went back and forth that I thought maybe perhaps it was a value judgment on me. That she looked at me and went, nah, you look like a day after tomorrow. <laughs> Just an assessment of, you look like a man who appreciates not only fine cinema, but cinema that was ahead of its time warning us about the dangers of natural, of you know, global warming. That's right. what it was. She looked and she's like, he's he's a guy who knows what's up about the uh, about the climate change. Sure. That's yeah. me. That's, yeah. Greenpeace Lathan. <laughs> a global scale disaster a global scale disaster movie really gives us um the opportunity to give us the new knowledge that like to deploy the new knowledge that we have of global global disaster inhabitants to be like wow i can really consider now the reality of something that was presented to me fictionally unlike a, a world-sized catastrophe and all those things that seemed entirely fanciful to me at the time even if i was like more aware of littering when i walked out Suddenly, like you look at those things, like of course it was America that did it, that did not seize upon this information. Of course, the vice president was like, "No, fuck this!" Like I, I, I have no, I don't have an empathy bone in my body. Of course, human error enabled something of this devastating scale to happen, and of course, it has created. Like what I like about what what is nice, like kind of like revenge cinema about this movie is that the 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 developed people get theirs, like the quote unquote developed nations. Oh yeah. The northern yeah. hemisphere gets effectively wiped out. And right. we like end the movie with us having to have migrated, immigrated down to Mexico to yeah. survive. So while we see in reality that the uh, a disaster exploits inequality gaps and praise upon them, the ones that we have structurally nurtured in this country for uh, centuries. In this movie, despite the reality of seeing America fuck up at every turn that apparently was going to come to fruition years later, we, unfortunately, many of us wouldn't have guessed, um, it is great to get the fan service element of being like, yeah, but at least the rich people got theirs. Like, the, the royal family doesn't make it out alive, right? Like, no. Yeah, they're, 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 they're down here. Yeah. They, yeah. they die out. They basically, they kill the royal family mostly off camera. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I had completely forgotten that. I completely, yeah. like, unless you actually know what, what Balmoral is, which yeah. I didn't the first time I watched it. No, it wasn't until I watched this, I was like, oh, that's her Scottish castle. Yeah. I see. Mm -hmm. I see now. That's, wow, they're just going to kill the whole royal family. The president bites it off screen. Yep. Off screen. Yep. Off screen, yeah. There's a lot of off screen. Like normally, I feel like if this were remade today, this would have been an on screen, but it was an off screen one at the time. I don't think you could do that to the president in 2004. But, uh, <laughs> but, I, but you know what I enjoy about that, man? What I enjoy about it is if the environment or nature turns on us, ain't no president. Yeah. 
Like, like there's, like, there's, like, like you know what yeah, I mean? It means everybody, yeah. everybody, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be a bunch of human beings yeah. that are trying to figure out how they see a sunset and sunrise. Yep. Yeah. So, it, you know, and to what you said earlier is, like, oftentimes we look, like, we treat, like, the word refugee has a connotation to it. It's like a dirty word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we look at ret- refugees as undesirable, mm-hmm. as almost complicit in something when the only thing they're complicit in is having been born where they were born. Where they were born, yeah. So it, it's it's really it was really interesting to me at the end of the movie, and that's one of the things that most struck me about it, was at the end, we were the refugees basically oh, yeah. being punished. And I and I liked that. I liked yes. to see that dynamic, especially during the time where the immigration deba- debate was having its first huge yeah. flare. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the neo like with Bush Cheney, that was the neoconservative heyday. Exactly. Absolutely. Which is like god, like remember when neoconservatism was like the most threatening thing and now it feels quaint next to like neo fucking uh, right. Nazis in the government? Fascism like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would yeah. give my left nut to have, to be worried about what fucking yeah. Jack Kent was doing. I know, <laughs> Carl Rove. Carl Rove used to be so scary. Right. Yeah. And now I might I might text him like, yo, Carl, you up? Like, come, <laughs> yeah. like, come, come get your people, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was so scared. It's like being scared of Bowser from Mario. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, Godzilla. Yeah. I was scared of like this weird turtle thing in a sewer. It turns out that there's an actual fucking kaiju rolling around. <laughs> right. My bad. Yeah, the radioactive poison, the radioactive waste was laid out and the wrong fucking organisms wandered through it named Stephen Miller and now they're in the goddamn oh, White House. Yeah. Oh god, I I I god, I I am so I am so hopeful for a future in which we get one of our one a patented, you know, cataclysmic multi-front all-world disaster movie with the 100% real life analogs for this presidential administration. Right. Yeah. Like, please, please give me that. I need that. I want it right now. Like, I don't want to hear <laughs> that goddamn movie right now. Yeah, man, it's disgusting. I, I, I think of this movie and I watch it, and um, I think that, you know, essentially, Dennis Quaid is Fauci. Yeah. No, he is. You're not right. wrong about that. Right. Yeah. It's essentially Dennis Quaid is Fauci. And I think to myself, this is not a slight of Dr. Fauci, by the way. No, if you were comparing him to Dennis Quaid, like, damn, I think Fauci <laughs> would love that comparison. Yeah, 2004 Dennis Quaid, hell yeah. I yeah. think that what if, would, what if Fauci, what if, what if Fauci looked exactly like Dennis Quaid? Like, the <laughs> real Fauci. Like, what if that was the guy? Right. I think that we, I think we would have been wearing masks way sooner. You know what I mean? I think not. A, that is not a misestimation. Yeah, I think, you know what I mean? Because Fauci looks. I like Fauci, right? He yeah. looks very. Yeah. I, he's got a very trustworthy. God bless him with a very trustworthy face. I look at yeah. this guy I go. That fucking guy's telling me the truth. I'm very, <laughs> he's, he's dedicated his life to it. But when I was watching the film, rewatching, I was like, shit, man. If this guy was talking, like they would have, because he, he's just. I, I love this about films. There's no fucking way that that fucking guy would have been the climatologist. You way too good looking. Like you know what I mean, and then we're right. to believe that Jay Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. is a somewhat outcast at his school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. I, I, <laughs> I, so here's Fauci's got huge pediatrician energy. 
he's got like like you look at Fauci and you're like yeah that is a guy who tell me that like we need like that we need to eat, eat healthier and like do these things but you wouldn't necessarily believe it but Dennis Quaid's got like the like, cool high school Fauci, football like, coach vibe get to yeah. test my reflexes yeah. Yeah, so like you trust him, but you don't necessarily like you a little bit want to be like you're not my dad. But <laughs> but Dennis Quaid's got the like cool high school football and math teacher. Like he does, yeah, he, he does both those things. He's got, He's got that energy. energy. He does, and so of course you're gonna be like, you know what? Fuck it. If if Dennis Quaid <laughs> tells me to do that, I'm gonna do that. But I don't know. I'm torn only because like I don't even know if Dennis Quaid, with the power of Dennis Quaid, could convince could convince Americans. Yeah. to do i mean they're being told not to they're being told not to by basically um essentially like a sack of lard filled into an old condom so like <laughs> they're taking that advice from from they're, they're taking no don't do it from that so i really point of realism the yeah. the the people who think they're gonna brave the storm when the guy when doing jake gyllenhaal's in the library he's like my dad is a paleoclimatologist and he said we should stay here like he's kind of the number one guy who would know these things like he could have been like he just talked to like the president and the whole united nations about this so like you should really stay here and they're like nope we're going it alone we're yeah. going out what are you gonna go fucking find there what and are you gonna go find who led them out yes. of the library yeah, mm-hmm. never a fucking cop let them out of library. Yep, Someone who whose time at the academy in no way made him qualified <laughs> to take on a weather event and go brave stuff in like which is the entire argument that we're happening right now. I yeah. jumped out of my seat when I did. I was like, I was I'm sitting here. I'm like, yo, man. Why is this fucking cop talking <laughs> to this kid like he knows what he's talking about? Mm-hmm. We're talking about not having cops go on mental health calls, not having cops go on all of these things that they're not qualified yeah. to do. Uh-huh. This guy, because he, because he, and by the way, he looked like a traffic cop, if you ask he me. Had, he had big traffic cop vibes. Traffic cop, like, no yeah. way. Let all of those people to their death. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a, a fucking cop. Don't get me started. Different <laughs> Don't get me st- <laughs> No, this you know, it's not the main theme of this movie, but I definitely think a sub-theme can be defund the police. Like if they had properly allocated funds, they might have been able to put into place some sort of like, I don't know, evacuation system into the city sooner. They could have maybe had shelters set up in place for the event of a major a major catastrophe. Right. All that funding that NYPD gets, they have a terrorism unit that's currently monitor- monitoring what's going on in Lebanon. No. <laughs> right. It's a subset of this is definitely, yeah. When Six it reminded million me, dollars a year yeah. to get led into the cold yeah. and <laughs> fucking freeze to death and have good-looking Dennis Quaid follow, find you later on. Like, it's, <laughs> I, I, literally, I was screaming at the yeah. TV. I it would be a fucking... You know what? You know what? Whatever. And the fact that he, like, at one point that woman was like, that he goes to wake up the woman and she's dead and he's like, well, sucks for her and moves right on. I was like, see, because they don't care. <laughs> they don't actually, he doesn't care about anyone. He's a cop. That's what it is. Right. That's 100%. No, I, I, as soon as he did it, and I was like, that is the same. When we watched Poseidon Adventure and we were like, uh-huh. never follow the purser. No, like, never follow the purser. <laughs> never follow someone the who is of the boat. He's the police of the boat. He said that he was the concierge or the, the general manager of the boat hotel or whatever. But yeah. fuck that, you're right. He was the cop of the boat and he led a <laughs> bunch of people in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I 
will always, every time, trust the like shaggy haired teenager who steps up <laughs> right. in any disaster situation. I would I actually put our future in the hands of TikTok teens right now over yeah. the federal government. Like, oh, t- no question. 10 yeah, out of TikTok 10 times. said to me, at <sighs> 9 o'clock p.m., we all have to jump at the same exact time to set the earth on its proper rotation. Yeah, I'm doing. Like, yeah, that sounds like science. I'd be in here jumping oh, yeah. up and down, looking like a <laughs> fool, but I believe in them, though. Yeah. They take action. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now, one of my favorite things about um, a, speci- a very specific, hyper-specific kind of disaster scenario is the travel great distances over land that is now travelable. Like, <sighs> oh yeah, in this we have because like Dennis Quaid's got to go save his kid. And I was reading the Wikipedia summary about this to like see if there were any details in there. It says like when they fall through the mall, the incredible scene where they fall through the mall. Love that. It says that happens in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So this is. They're they're traversing so many hundreds of miles to right. get to Manhattan mm. in snowshoes. It's like in snowshoes. it's like in Wandering Earth yeah. when they like are drive from like Beijing down to Jakarta. It seems like in half a day. Like <laughs> I, you've got to have the swagger and rugged weather ability of Dennis Quaid in this movie to make that trek in a timely fashion in snowshoes, pulling equipment. So one day, one Sunday, me and my girl, it wasn't one Sunday. We didn't just come up with it. But <laughs> at one point, we decided we live in downtown Los Angeles. Okay. We decided we were going to walk to Santa Monica. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, so you've got two different responses here because Jordan does walking like that all the time. And right. I am a native here. So I'm just like, no, everywhere is driving. Yeah. So keep going. Sorry. That's, that's about, that's a little more than 18 miles, isn't it? Or about is that like a miles. solid 20? Okay. About, about 20 miles, right? Woo! So, so we, and by the way, like the bottom of, we live in the bottom, we live in the arts district. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, we got to go, we got to traverse. We're not like LA Live. We got to go all the way through downtown and all. And so this was a good idea until we got to about Fox Studios okay. on Pico. You got to go up a hill. That's about six miles left in the journey, I think. And at that point, you're like, yo, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> like, you're like, like, like your feet hurt. That's your like, like you're, you're like you're walking and like it's been a long time and it's so wild to watch. To, it's so wild to watch the topography of LA change and your yeah. different neighborhoods and all of that stuff like that. But you could start getting to like four or five miles left, and, and like it's like, yo, it's mental now. Like now, <laughs> like, like, like now, it's not about like now. Your body is saying, yo, man, yo, quit walking. <laughs> and it's mental. So anytime I watch a movie like this, I think to myself, do you know how much he must love Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> Cause, yes. cause, my dad would have been like, "Hey, y'all got blankets over there?" Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, son. I'm gonna call him a chick. Yeah, exactly. Like he, but he was. I, I think about, you know, that journey in those kind of. It's hard. Walking can be hard. Yeah. And so, and especially after you just watch your man fall through the the the, the mall and die. Like, and now psychologically you messed up and stuff like that. So. <laughs> And, like, and a, he does to do those last hundreds of miles alone. 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 Friend, yeah. Yeah, alone. Just with him and his thoughts in the middle of the end of the world, not even knowing if his son is still alive. It's yeah. still there. And the son then is also relying on his father to get there <laughs> yeah. so that he can then survive, man. I'm telling you, stakes are high. 
journeys are being undertaken during this film. <laughs> quests, really. Quests. 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 Yes. <laughs> did you make it to Santa Monica? Yeah, we did. Um, we like made it to Santa Monica. Saw the water. The plan was to have like a Santa Monica day. Oh. By the time we saw the water, the Uber <laughs> was already waiting. <laughs> I was like, I'm going back home. By the way, fuck me up for a couple of days. Yeah. My feet were hurting. Yeah. My back was hurting. Like <laughs> it was, it was an amazing workout. But for yeah. a couple of days, like I don't know. By the time I got there, my hands were swollen. Oh yeah, oh, your, yeah. all the blood like your hands and your your fingers and toes become little you gotta sausages. Get, you got oh, walking sticks. Is that is that why the people have the walking sticks? Seriously, yeah. So I did a um I I so the the hard part of doing twenty miles is you're doing twenty miles on cement and that sucks. That will screw up every joint in your body. Right. <laughs> I did a ninety I think it was like ninety six miles maybe a little longer in Scotland and it was all like trails but it's you stay in like hotels every night. I did not do anything that rem in even remotely was like physically this, taxing. Yeah, it's not the Witherspoon movie based no. on. I did this because I watched, I, I read Wild, and then Wild. I was like, yeah, wow. I was like, I want to do this, but I'll die if I try the Pacific <laughs> Crest Trail. Mm -hmm. So let me find the the most, like, safe way to do this. And so I did this walking trail, and after about two hours, I was like, oh, my God, what's happening to my fingers? And then I realized that there was a reason I had bought those walking sticks. And, yeah, they keep your arms about your 90 arms degrees, mm -hmm. and it helps keep the blood from pooling. It will not change the fact that by the time you're done, you're just like, my toes don't live don't love wow. me. Yeah, you I look like to, such a dork. That I used to look at those people oh, that, that had the walking yeah. sticks. I'm like, what the fuck? You think you're in Anchorage or something like that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but like, I, I didn't know that there was so actually bad. a function to it. I didn't There's either. a function. It looks, you look so dumb. Every photo of me on that. But it gives you, the other thing that's great, it gives you something to do with your hands for photos. So you're not like, <laughs> I'm going to stand here like this. You're like, I look like a trekker. I look like I have a purpose in my life. <laughs> Because otherwise, you're the same thing as the Rolly backpack in high school. Oh, God. Where, like, there, there was a, that was the pinnacle of dorkiness, but those kids weren't carrying their bags. So, yeah. shout out to Bradley Hamner. <laughs> like, the, the smartest kid I know, like, builds robots for the government now. <laughs> Bradley, like, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, like we were in the, uh, in the gifted program, and there was, we always had, it was a bunch of smart kids, and then always one or two, damn, you're smart kids, yeah, right? Yeah. And Bradley was the first person I saw wheeling his shit around. Yeah. But he had, he had a ton of books in there wheeling this shit around. Yep. Now no, they are. They, the trekking around. poles are definitely the wheelie backpacks of hiking. <laughs> like, well, they must have. They, they have trekking poles, surely, in Day After Tomorrow, don't they? Like, I'm he blanking on it. it. He, he yeah. definitely has it. Yeah. 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 They yeah. have, they he have is, their he has poles. trekking poles because he's got to have those also for balance yeah. and security. Yeah. They, 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 they need the assistance. Yeah. No, and, and and there is a moment when you're walking with them and you're not around anybody and you're like, no one, I don't have to think about whether or not I look like a huge fucking nerd. And you're like, this is it. But this is my Everest. <laughs> so you're in the middle of nowhere. All there are are sheep. The only people who are judging you are like two cows. Right. It's, you're like, this is, this is it. I have gone fully like back to nature. I'm going to pee on a rock. It's going to be the best. Um, and then you, and then you go to a, a pub for the night and you eat fish and chips and you're like, all oh, right, I am a pampered, spoiled baby. <laughs> I'm a baby. I, I really, that was, that was the conclusion I came to on that trip was I, I'm basically like a soft little baby. Um, anyway, so I guess the movie. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I got it like. Roland Emmerich, is there anybody who does running away from a natural disaster better than Roland Emmerich in the world? Is there anybody who has ever, I mean, you get it's out running the waves, you get out running the air, 
Yeah. Get you out from air in this movie. Yeah. The, it, she's amazing. That is a like, ridiculous it's moment. Little, it's perfect. Maybe, maybe, maybe the height of cinema running away from something that isn't Godzilla is running away from the explosion in Independence Day. Right. That's a good one. Like There's also that, you have John Cusack running out driving earthquake waves in that movie. And I, feel, I feel like he made I feel like each of those scenes mm-hmm. he made with a conscious thought to 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 outdo the scene before. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like he's sitting down going, you know what? People got on me about her <laughs> jumping out of the way of the fire. Independence Day. Right, let me, right. Let me show these people what I really can fucking do. I'm gonna have them run from fucking cold. And the cold is gonna be like encroaching in on them just as they huddle around a fire and throw fucking books on it to fight the cold. Like, you guys, you think you can fuck with me? No, you can't. I'm Roland Emmerich. You can't fuck with me. And by the way, after that yeah, thing happens, disaster movie. now I'm gonna have John Q say, you think I cannot do that? Fucker, hold my beer. I'm rolling Emmerich. We're going to drive away from a massive, massive earthquake Uh on some need for speed type shit. I I really do think that in every, in in all those films, I think that was a conscious decision to continuously one up the outrageously, amazingly awesome, completely impossible thing that he had done in the movie before. Yeah. You are 100% right. Now we need Roland Emmerich's disaster movie on the moon. Like, way to do it now is to yeah. go fully like to go fully cosmic yeah yeah taking it out of space that's what marvel's doing like <laughs> take it out there like you know what i'm saying taking it out of space i want to see it i love them I, 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 but i love it because when you're in the theater you're too caught up it's only on the second or third rewatch that yeah. you go, mm. but when you're in the theater you go oh shit oh shit <laughs> throw some throw some books on the fire throw some books on the fire it's coming the cold the dog the cold coming bro you know what i'm saying <laughs> you're yeah no as you're watching it, yeah, all you care about, and then you're like, yes, those doors can absolutely keep out cold. All it takes <laughs> is two wooden doors, slam them shut, d- done. You're safe. They're very prestigious wooden doors. They are very, they're very nice wooden doors, and that's all. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the underneath, like, you don't have to worry about any cracks under the floor. The seal is perfect in the New York library. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Cold can't get in. I, but then he balances such- it. But then he balances it though. Yeah. Because after the cold comes in and it goes crazy, you have the scene with the guy. It actually, might be before, but like it's still balanced because the guy who's trying to protect the Bible. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. The, the the dude who wanted like human shit. Like you guys aren't burning this Bible. I'm gonna preserve humanity's intellectual thought and the written word. I'm gonna take you from something that's almost alien in how sinister it is and the. The, the 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 terrible evil cold and just bring you back down to the individual human whose life goal is to protect and exalt the written word and that it still thing. exists even when everything else falls apart that one thing yeah yep. you're fighting the battle for the one you're the one small victory yeah yep. that is that is his jake gyllenhaal the gutenberg <laughs> the gutenberg bible is that one dude's jake gyllenhaal yeah. he's he's emmy rossum he's emmy rossum right <laughs> She is also the pinnacle of human achievement as far as that, as far as, <laughs> yeah. as, as far as Jake Gyllenhaal in this is concerned. That is absolutely true. I yeah. always love, I love a disaster relationship between like very young people like Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski and Deep Impact. Cause mm. you're like, I wonder like how many years it's going to be before they break up. 
Like, right. how, like, is this going to survive college? Like, probably I mean, not. In the apocalypse like this, though, with the two, the girl-to-guy ratio in this movie is literally Emmy Rossum to everybody else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and Seal Award. And, and, Seal Award. and Seal Award. So she doesn't have, a, she, she's got a lot of options here. <laughs> like right. the good news is, is that Emmy Rossum's gonna have a harem at the end of this movie, she because will. she will, because like that's the only option there. If she's gonna have, she's gonna be like a little teen queen now because <laughs> she survived. Seventeen other teenage boys survived, and she gets to pick who she wants at that time. That she's right. sound like a harem. That sounds fucking terrifying. It, I was about to okay. say she sounds a little bit like a fucked up Smurfette. And I always, I always, I always wonder. And feel really, really concerned for Smurfette. Yeah, it, you, you know what I mean. So it, it, I just wonder how that's going to work out for Amy Rossum at the end, especially knowing what it is that we know yeah. now. So like, I just want, like, this is a many wives of Immort and Joe situation. <laughs> right. In my head, is. see, as 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 the token straight woman here. Yeah. <laughs> in my head, the fan fiction is what a great setup. Like, <laughs> cool. You're all going to be like my kept men and I will choose amongst you when the reality is it'd be some handmaid's tale shit. And like, <laughs> I'll settle for a man so I have a bigger, stronger protector in this context to claim me as his property that will maybe frighten the other men away and preserve me from terrible violence. Right. There like is, that's, there, that's there is a version of the movie where like seriously they're all breaking off wooden chairs and sharpening them. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's sitting on some sort of throne yeah. and it's Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal versus, and they're fighting. You know what I mean? Like oh there's a, God. there's a Khaleesi version. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Khaleesi version of the movie, which is, which is actually pretty intriguing. It's pretty intriguing. Right. What do you think Jordan? I like baseball for, cause in my head, they're all fighting for my honor. And they're, they're so I'm like, yeah, I love baseball. Think they fight, are. Amongst your, fight amongst yourselves and I will root for you. Baseball players are like the most surprised these guys are huge athletes of all the major sports. Because like obviously football players are huge. Basketball players are like nine feet tall. And baseball players are like, oh, these, uh, they look like baseball players. And you see them in person, you're like, Jesus, Lord, God, the, the mountain. The hands. The, yeah, the they got, shoulders. They the can yeah. Yeah. They are. Find yourself a baseball player in the apocalypse, ladies. A man, a man. Like you, on. like you don't think I have a Rolodex of who I'd go to in the event of an apocalypse? You're like, okay, Yasiel Puig, where are you? I need to find you right this second. Right. You don't have to stay loyal to me, but I definitely want to be in whatever house oh, you're in. But guess what, though? That's a Call Drogo situation. That's guess a Call Drogo situation. Well, Yasiel <laughs> speaks Spanish, and now you have to live in Mexico. So like it, 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 it all comes together. Hey, there you go. And plus, he'll, he looked, he, he'll he smoke like he, me across the border. Like, exactly. He was like he could beat the shit out of a boar and like bring him <laughs> back like a big brother. Yeah. No, Yasuo would accidentally hurt, like kill a boar, just be like, just by trying to be like, oh, what a cute animal, and then he'd be like, oh no, I crushed it <laughs> with my giant hand. Right. I met him once at a at a burger joint, and the photo of me sitting next to him, my head is the size of his bicep. Like. <laughs> I looked like it, it, whenever baseball or basketball players would come into the store that I used to work at, they'd be like seven feet tall. And then I'd be next to them and I'm five one. And it would be like, <laughs> oh, I'm a different species of human. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, hello. Like, this is, I see now why I'm not suited to do most 
most things in life. Most things in life. <laughs> I get it now. Now, I, I'm, this I'm, is on the this is on the opposite scale of extremely fortified athletes. But I one thing I a thing I love in the day after tomorrow that we that is common in the disaster movie is the stoic sect of scientists that gives themselves over to like oblivion, which we mm. see in Ian Holmes character in yeah. this like when they when they they can't be they can't fight against the the cold anymore. And they just kind of like, well, lads, like, and they go out with like a glass of whiskey. It was like, of course that, that we need that. I I need the anchor of just like, well, we've done all we can here. It's a nice, it's dignity. It's dignity in death when so much of this movie is struggle. And you know, you're going to get it as soon as you start hearing about their backgrounds. As soon as you start hearing about someone having a child, you're like, nope, nope, don't make me love you. I know what's going to happen. Like, oh, I get to see like, I don't know. I think his name was Simon's adorable little baby for 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm sorry, Simon. You're gonna die, and I'm gonna feel yeah, terrible. No, that's the end of the line. That's like, the end that, of the line. Those are the parts of the movie that, like, even in Titanic. You know what part of Titanic really bothers me? The, the guys who are, yeah, the, the band. musicians, the band. Yeah, yeah like that. Yeah, but everything else I can live with. But the guys who are just like, hey, we're fucking dead. Kick it <laughs> up. You know, you, you, you know what I mean? Like that's the part of it that I go, fuck, amazing. Imagine being, oh, we're gonna fucking play this bitch until we like die of hypothermia in the Atlantic, you know what I mean? Because yeah. some other douchebag didn't want to put enough light, light bulbs on the boat, right? And so I like when I watch that scene, I'm like, it's I've got to get bumped out for real. Because the dude was <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like, I would have really liked to see my son grow up. Well, at least he will grow up. You know, and, and, I, yeah. and fuck, I guess at least he will grow up. <laughs> Do we know? Like, we don't know for sure that he's going to. <laughs> Right. right. They're so, in Spain, but like unless they're in southern Spain, I don't know. Right. I, <laughs> I don't know, it's, man. It's it's very tough. optimistic. It's it's tough to watch. I'm like, yo, man, why am I looking at this shit? Fast forward. What's <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, but yeah, that was a well, again showing you that like because in disaster movies, in these big films like this, uh, even in Independence Day, right? Yeah. In Independence Day. Vivica Fox's co-worker, right? Oh, yeah. The girl who makes... The, it's a very important for, for people to show you just the... It's going to sound stupid, but just the individuals who die. Because yeah. you assume that when they blow up all of these things that all of these people die, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you assume that, but just to show that one person made one decision to go and greet the aliens and she got fucking zapped. Yeah. It, 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 it grounds the, the the story for you. And that's kind of like watching those dudes pass away. It kind of did the same thing, but it's like, that's a sad part. That's legitimately sad. Yeah. yeah. That's a prestige cinema moment. Right. <laughs> that's a prestige drama moment. Right. With some real badass actors, too. With some, yeah. like, some, some, yeah. some badasses in that scene. Like, seriously, all those guys. Now, do we feel like we've come? Do we feel like we've come to the point where we want to explore what this movie is really about? Is there anything else that any of us want to yell about about how much we love this movie? Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel. Any like other I- big points? I got to like points to this movie for the fact that Dennis Quaid says with a dead straight face, I I need access to the mainframe. I love when anytime <laughs> in any movie when there is a mainframe, when someone needs access to the mainframe, when they're hacking a mainframe, I still don't know what a mainframe is. I don't. No. I don't ever want to know. I assume every government has a mainframe. A mainframe. Like. <laughs> It's so true. I don't understand. I don't care. I love it so much. And it's such a like an early 2000s phrase that just, 
I love it. I would assume like the mainframe is I assume looks like the 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 interface from Jurassic Park. That's just I my... might watch the movie The Net just to hear how many times Sandra Bullock says mainframe in it because it okay. must be many. Right. That, yeah, many that's the only line she had to memorize. Yeah, we love the mainframe in the in the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> Yeah. I well, need it's, access it's to the mainframe. Main. <laughs> it's almost like they don't have mainframes anymore because I haven't heard that in a movie in so long. No, right. no. no. Now we have the cloud. I need right, to get. I need cloud. to get. I need to get on our shared data network. Like that's not as exciting. Right. No, no. <laughs> no. I'm just gonna start. I'm gonna call my Wi-Fi the mainframe now. That's my. I'm gonna change it. <laughs> change, change the name I'm, of your router I'm to the mainframe. My, I'm absolutely doing that just so I can every so often be like, oh, do you need to access the mainframe? Here's the password. <laughs> That, no, people say that you're gonna make people say that I like, am, like, that's gonna be like do you what do you need i need access to the main <laughs> great hold on oh if oh. i had a speakeasy that's 100 percent what people would have to say to get in yeah that's just my new favorite thing so, <laughs> i just i love that so much it's just um, no, so yeah, I guess uh, I guess just an uh, extra shout out at the end to the very large eyed romance between Jake Gyllenhaal and Emmy Rossum. Yeah, all the emotion conveyed in those eyes between those two young baby faced actors, mm-hmm. cosmic, incredible. They've been through so much already. So much already. Like, what could you possibly fight about after this? Like, <laughs> yeah. like you mean like what the, the washing of the dishes? The, like they're not gonna be going through each other's text messages, none of that stuff. You know what I mean? It's it's like what could you fight after this? Like we met, like braving the apocalypse together. Yeah. Things should be okay from now on, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you you capably saved me from a blood infection. Like and, that's right. Yeah. I will yeah. say though that also they realistically they'll never work because every time they have a fight, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's character is gonna be like. I fought wolves for you. Yeah, I can't actually. There's no. There's nothing you can do to beat. The, she can't be like, yeah. Well, I also was in the library with you. Like, there's not, right, right. Yeah, there's That's nothing. There's nothing that balance. beats that. Which my one point of unbelievability. They don't have wolves at the Central Park Zoo. Really? Oh. They do not have wolves at Central Park Zoo. But what they do have is at the time they had Gus, the clinically depressed polar bear. <laughs> and they oh, have penguins. Wow. Gus was just waiting for oblivion. Do you know how much better that scene would have been? Yeah. If a fucking pissed off polar bear would have been. The wolves already were off the chain. Don't get me wrong. But a polar bear. A polar bear that like now has like, like now he's not depressed anymore because he's looking out. He's like, oh, yo, I'm free, dog. You know what I mean? It's all mine I don't have to be in Manhattan in the summer. I'm a polar bear. This is my environment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, took humanity. it all away from me, and I've gotten mo- all of it and more back. Yeah, right. Gus, <laughs> Gus calls up Muja, the world's oldest alligator, immediately. Yep. <laughs> Muja's a- been Muja's been in communi- Muja's been in communication with the troposphere and has organized this whole thing. Yeah. Right. So, there, there's a the world's oldest al- alligator lives in where is it Belarus? It's like it, it's it, Belarus or like Croatia. Oh, yeah, Serbia. Serbia, Serbia. You're right, Serbia. Uh, he's like he is, was. 1920 or 1930 like he lived through world war ii wait the alligator was born in 1920 it's like an it's like a 90 year old alligator yeah he it's world's oldest in alligator a, in a in the belgrade zoo he uh it's assumed he hatched before 1936 he survived world war ii during which the zoo was almost completely destroyed and the nato bombing of yugoslavia in 1999 in Jesus. 2012 
He yeah. underwent successful surgery to amputate some of his leg after he was diagnosed with gangrene. Otherwise, Muja is healthy. Wow. So we have, the, we have this theory that Muja is basically the mastermind behind pretty much every single bat, like evil animal in any of these movies. Yep. He's what ties them together. So Muja probably would have like would have sent Gus on this mission to kill Jake Gyllenhaal. So they report to Muja. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. yeah. That's like, all we, we have to at this point assume. Like world's oldest alligator, why wouldn't that be sort of a mob boss sort of kingpin type? You know what? You know what? You know what the funny thing is? That in and of itself is a fucking fantastic movie. <laughs> like, like seriously, yeah. seriously, that in and of itself, world world's oldest alligator, who runs a syndicate yeah. of rogue animals, yeah. who yeah. are essentially like Harambe works for him. Yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like all of those. You know what I'm saying? Anytime somebody fucks up at a zoo, which is not funny, but always it's kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah. But like, it, it, you know what I mean? Like, they all work for him. That's a fucking hilarious movie. I want to see that. I want to see that animated series on FX. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, the entire thing, you know, and when he comes around and yeah. he just acts like a normal alligator, but then <laughs> as soon as they're gone, he's fucking on his fucking phone, on his headset like you are, like calling out shit all over the place. He's like, throat. he's like Professor X. He puts on the helm, he puts Cerebro. on the helmet, <laughs> and he cerebros into all the world's pissed off animals. Love it. More and more of them all the time. Yeah, because he must have talked to those wolves because the wolves <laughs> yeah. were... Yeah. Super pissed off. <laughs> yeah. They were really like those wolves yeah. and the wolves in the gray. The wolves yeah. in the gray oh, yeah. were that the gray is a horror movie, basically. But like, we, Jason is Jason's a longtime advocate. Producer Jason is a longtime advocate for the Liam Neeson fights wolves movie being on the pod. So oh, if yeah, somebody we'll would fight. like to choose it, <laughs> yeah, I gotta do it. You know, yeah. you realize at the end of the gray, just sidebar. At the end of the great, Liam Neeson says, "Fuck it, let's go," <laughs> and, like, and, like, and like ties the shit to his and, and it's just like, and I, I love that movie just because he gets to a point where he's, like, "I'm not running from you anymore." Right? Yeah. yeah. Do your worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's yeah, get it's it like out. what we know of of disaster movie wolves. That's a pretty bad. That's a uh, doing their worst yeah. is a pretty fucking bad order. Yeah. yeah. And these wolves were these wolves were uh were crazy. But look, Jake Gyllenhaal, intrepid. Yeah. <laughs> intrepid. Like gets first of all, how good for him that there happened to be a ship with the needed antibiotics or whatever yeah. right out there. Like just, you know, the you, US you Harry a, just washes into the front of the New York Public Library. You need a little luck. And you know what's crazy? When the whole pandemic thing for cause I always would be like, that would never happen. They would never like park a ship. And then the whole pandemic thing happened, and then they parked the ship. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, oh my god, they actually <laughs> they parked the ship. So if shit goes crazy and New York goes post-apocalyptic, which was very much on the menu at first, yeah, yeah. like people could run to the ship and kind of get the same shit. I was like, it was, I was, it was fucking my head. There's also if no, in, in a day after tomorrow scenario, Dwayne so, Reed's in any seven block radius. So if he didn't have the ship, he could have probably found a Dwayne Reed. Like let's. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you've ever been to New York, you know that there's a CVS every half a block. You'll, yes. There really are so there, many, so many drugstores. Yeah, but the ship was convenient. That was like some door-to-door service right there. Absolutely. Got her back, saved her life. They yeah. all had <laughs> enough knowledge together. Yeah. They had enough knowledge together. And I'll say this last thing about the library. Fortuitous, fortuitous that those people followed the cop out. 
Yeah. Because they yeah. wouldn't have had enough shit to go around it's, and there would have been too many people and that like it was better chances of survival. This is how my older brain works. Better chances of survival if you thin the herd a little bit. No, it was natural selection. Yeah, it, it was definitely natural was. selection. Yeah. For sure. And naturally the cop was selected out. Yeah. Right. It was his fucking fault. <laughs> <laughs> gonna he's gonna walk. Okay, sure, dude. So so do we do we feel comfortable now going into what was this movie really about? I think we can. I, I've got nothing else. Amanda, would you like to kick it off? Um, you know, I I went back and forth. Primey's like it's quite literally just about the fact that we're fucking up this planet. Right. But right. I do also kind of feel like a little bit of it was like Roland Emmerich being like, oh, okay, smart people, you think you're too good for disasters? Yep. I actually mm. kind of think a little bit of this movie is like a little bit and and I a little anti-intellectualism. Whether okay. it's the scientists being wrong with their estimations, even Dennis Quaid being wrong by hundreds to thousands of years. Yep. You've got the nerds who all suddenly realize that, like, all the stuff we know is useless. Shoot, like, Emmy yeah. Awesome even says, like, all the things I thought mattered that I was planning my life for, which I was like, well, just slow down, little girl. You're 17. Like, <laughs> how many plans did you yeah, have? Like, you didn't exactly, like, I've been planning my whole life. Like, mm, well... I mean, I've been planning my whole life at this point. The apocalypse has changed that. But it's a slightly different time frame here. But yeah, I I, I was like a little bit kind of like, wait. And even the guy, like the guy who holds on to the Gutenberg Bible is a little bit of almost a joke in that he's like such a, he's so afraid of getting rid of Nietzsche and the yeah, Gutenberg Bible. Like, yeah, what do these things matter? The homeless guy who's a great character, but also I was like, this feels like you're making a lot of fun of, like, it's weird that he's the comic relief on this. Uh-huh. Um, because like, this is the only guy who's actually suited to survive any of this. He's the one who's like, we can eat out of trash cans. It's food. Yeah. He's not wrong in, in the apocalypse, eat out of a trash can. There's no dignity in this guys. Right. right. But, but even he was like presented as a fairly intellectual character and it's kind of like his dog is named Buddha and he's kind of a joke. So I thought it was a weird, uh, there is a little, to me, a little bit of subtext of the like 2004, anti-intellectual, what do scientists know? When it comes down to it, we have to go back to our instincts thing, which I was like, I'm not sure. It's one of those rare times where the message is not necessarily something I agree with, but it still was a great movie, so I don't care. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. That's me. I like that. I like that. Mm. Van, how about you? I think this movie is about dickhead momentum, and I'll tell you what dickhead momentum is. Okay, okay, I want to (laughs) know. So my father coined this term, or at least he coined it for me. I don't know where it comes from, but dickhead momentum is the moment that you realize that you're wrong, but Uh you're too deep into the argument to change course. Oh, wow. That's very, okay, good. Yeah. So anything after that is dickhead momentum. Wow. And we've we've all been there, but it afflicts my species Mm. much more than it does you guys. Our side, our gender, uh-huh. Is much more we're we're actually predisposed to it, uh-huh. and then socialization reaffirms it. Okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. We all seen it. You don't want to ask for directions and all of that stuff like that. Yep. Yep. There are, are multiple people in this that seem to at some point realize that they're doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. but hubris won't let them change course and do what is necessary for them to save their own lives or for it to be better. Like the the only person and really the only person who realizes that he's fucked up is the vice president. And by the time he gets on board, millions, maybe billions of people are dead. 
Now, there's not necessarily something that they could have done in the interim to change what was going on because obviously it was already upon them, right? Dennis right, was right. wrong. But had they been more sort of uh, open um, or willing to listen to him, perhaps they could have mitigated the amount of damage that was done through this entire cataclysm. Yep, but yep. most of the people in here who have authority are dickheads. And yes. they are suffering from dickhead momentum. Yep. And dickhead momentum, if we don't course correct, will end civilization. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. And, that, and that is a 100% fact. So that's what I took. And it's in the scope of everything else we're watching. I was like, they're doing it. They're, look, they're doing it. And so that's, like, like, that, that's, what, that, that's what I took away from the movie. That is, I really love both of those answers so much. And I, you know, I'm going to go with, you know, there's obviously the app, there, there's the aspects of like, you know, the problems of neoliberalism and capitalism and how they uh, created a context in which we ravaged the world beyond repair and then paid the price for it. But I'm going to like, I'm going to enhance this with, I think there's a message we need to take from this about uh, urban planning and (laughs) in our, in our, you know, future within disaster and surely moving toward more disaster as climate related catastrophe affects so many more parts of the world than our own and causes climate refugee crises and shortage of resources and all of those things. We need to fortify our major cities. Like you said, that cop was completely out of his depth in leading those people out of out of the 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 out into the the frozen landscape in front of them. Cities need to start preparing a lot more to house massive amounts of people from cataclysmic events so that in the event they occur, people have places to go that are not the shell of a fucking library and burning books to stay warm. I I would like to see uh basically urban urban panic rooms established for as many people as possible to to take shelter in the inevitable event at this point in that two minutes to midnight situation where just being like, all right, the goal now, we've gone past mitigation, we've gone past solutions, the goal now is survival. More places need to be created for people to survive in population centers to just ride it the hell out as right. long as that is possible. I agree. Yep. So that's Preferably what I some, some places that have central heat. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. we don't have to burn the Gutenberg Bible. Yep, yep, that that would be ideal, yeah. We need to to take a cue from the wandering Earth, and before we have to attach rockets to the planet and propel us to fucking Jupiter, we need to build the subterranean cities in that movie as backup plans. Or, or, I want to get you guys' opinion on this. What about a train that never stops moving? (laughs) (laughs) What about that one? Hold on! And like, oh, what about a train that never stops moving? I remember being in that movie thinking, God damn, I really will go for anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, but not, and, and that's not saying that it wasn't a good movie because it was. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you should just fucking, I'll just sure. sign me up. Like, I'll go, yeah. I'll go for anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Elon Musk looked at that and was like, I could do it better. And it was like, how about you fucking do one other thing first? <laughs> Give me solve traffic in LA like you said you would, Dick. Right. Uh, give us the hyperloop. Yeah, hyperloop. If you want to go, if you want to go in one direction, it'll be great to Dodger Stadium. <laughs> Six hundred cars in one direction to Dodger Stadium, totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. This is gonna work well. Yeah, I, uh, you know, just 
off of the realism of it, like this, the flooding of New York, that was a thing that that happened in, with Hurricane Sandy oh, 10 God. years, 10 years later. Yeah. And New York still has no discernible plan because the subways still get flooded all the time. They have no plan in place. They have no they plan. They have no plan in place. So, Jordan, you're absolutely right. They have no plan in place for what happens when Manhattan gets hit with another hurricane. Keep America World Police. We have no intelligence. Right. And, and by the way, not to bring it down, but here's the interesting thing about this movie. This movie came out in 2004. Yeah. I I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was gonna say, yeah, there's also. Right, and yeah. so literally, yeah, literally the next summer, mm-hmm. the next summer, a superstorm came, like blew through, and I was there, lived through it, a yeah. superstorm blew, like all of this shit that's happening right now, mm-hmm. I've been here before. Right, right, yeah. right. Like I've been to, like, I remember having a conversation with my dad's like, well, what do we do? Like, we go to Walmart and there was no food. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. well, what do you do if you go to Walmart and there's no food? Like, what then? What then? Like, like what? Like, what? Like, what? I was like, what happens then? You go to the gas station, there's no gas. Like, not, like, mm-hmm. n- like now, what do we do? Like, mm-hmm. all these curfews and all that stuff. And I remember watching, uh, you know, uh, environmentalists and people talk about the fact that Katrina had stopped in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. And the water there, and obviously the Gulf and the, the the water in the Gulf is going to be warm, especially in August, right? Right. So right. It, it, it's going to be warm. It's a it's a it's a the Gulf is warm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that the water in the Gulf was so warm and had been warming that mm-hmm. she essentially took steroids before she made landfall. Okay. And yeah. And just yeah. swirled there, and the warm water just made the storm okay. into some. Armageddon, Hercules yeah. type of weather event, and slammed us and took the levees out. And so, like, I was talking to one of my one of my boys that I had seen this movie with, and he was like, "Dog, that shit happened." And it was it was it was like seriously, we had mm-hmm. this conversation. My boy Ryan, like my oldest friends, like, "Dog, that shit happened." Mm-hmm. Like, that, yeah. especially in New Orleans, I'm like, "That shit actually happened, bro," and because it was people holed up in places. With not the cold coming at them, but water coming at them. Yep, there yep, was yep. also pernicious wildlife that okay. was in the water. Gators, snakes, all of that stuff. Shit. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. All of that stuff, it basically happened. So, uh, yeah, so when you see the movie now, it's not like it can't happen. Right, yeah, yeah, it 100%. Yeah. No, we have no excuse right. for not having the playbook written out. Yeah. Right. We have no excuse. It's not, yeah, we haven't had every possible natural disaster occur at one time, but we've seen enough to know exactly what to plan for and what happens at a sociological, anthropological level when a crisis in, in a compartmentalized version of this occurs and then we just only are reactive and never proactive. Yeah. It's not that fucking hard to figure out yeah 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 i mean if you have levies shouldn't you have a plan for if they break (laughs) i mean obviously you have the levy to keep the water out but if the levy breaches yeah there should be a contingency plan (laughs) you know what i mean like and so and so you know they didn't have one and americans died but 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 like i'm saying but you know but once again once again though it's like even at that particular point Talking to leadership that yeah. you're trying to tell how bad this is, how terrible things are, and it falling on deaf ears. Yeah. So, 
the whole deal. So it, it, it hit home for me for that reason, but that was later on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's um, just from everything I know about like emergency management, my like my basic understanding is essentially all the real problems, all the really cataclysmic stuff where they're like, we have to plan for this of levees breaking or like a massive, any number of things. It's sort of like that one closet you have where you shove all the things you don't want to deal with. And you're like, that's where like all <laughs> yeah, of my stuff is going to go. Yeah. The chaos drawer, that's essentially in a lot of ways what like our failing infrastructure our failing infrastructure is yeah. like, mm, that's a chaos drawer issue. And yeah, so I get the stuff in there. Pandemic, the pandemic opened the chaos drawer all the way up. Word. Yeah. Like, Word. so that's, so that's, that's, they don't, they didn't have a plan for levies. That's okay. They knew that everything, that that system was old and didn't, the pumps were needed to be replaced and all those things. Yeah, it wasn't but, people they wanted to help. Well, yeah, it was a chaos drawer. Like, that's a gigantic part of it. Yeah. <laughs> gigantic part yep. oh, listen. Let's move on. Don't fucking get me started. <laughs> we can we can take this as our pivot to fantasy casting. All right, right. Any because I I don't know that I can move any of the pieces on this board, but I want to hear if you guys if you guys feel compelled. I'm gonna think about mine a little bit more. All right. I, I mean, I actually did. I did it because I've, I've been so bad over the last few weeks of remembering to do this. I was like, I'm gonna sit here and do this. I'm gonna force okay. myself to okay. do casting. Okay. So um, I am gonna gender swap <clears throat> this one. Okay. Because. Uh, I want to, I feel like, you know, we're in, we're making this in 2020, women in STEM now. So <laughs> is going to be our Jack Hall. Okay. Because she can be weathered and she'll look great in that parka. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like that's, does she look good in the parka with the fur around her face, um, tossing ice cores across a chasm? That is a good that's, qualification. That's it. That's all I wanted. Kiernan Shipka becomes her daughter, Sam Hall. Okay. Okay. Um, we've got, uh, the Lord, the Emmy Rossum character, I changed to uh, Trevor Jackson from Blackish because he's just really, yeah, because he I'm needs someone who's gonna be like. Mm. He's in my, he's in my movie. Oh, oh. okay, great, great. Wow, wow, you keep going. That's okay. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need someone that I need someone that Kiernan Shipka would like fully fight wolves for, and it, that's a good option. <laughs> um, so for Brian Parks, who's the other nerd, who was played by the guy who was from Secret Light World of Alex Strange, Alan oh, Strange. Yeah. Which I feel like he was so underused in that because he's so good at saying nerd stuff. Right. Um, but the girl from Never Have I Ever who plays Devi. Oh, I, I love that show. I love that. And I think she's so I great. And that. I like her being a little younger looking than the other two so mm-hmm. that she does become that kind of third tag along. And then the only other person who I bothered to cast was um, to replace Ian Holm, Mandy Patinkin. Oh, wow. good one. Keep him surrounded by Scots. Yeah, he's good just, one. Like, keep him. He's he's still American. He's still Mandy Patinkin. He can just be Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> he can be Mandy Patinkin. He doesn't have to actually be a scientist. He could no. just be Mandy Patinkin. It can be Mandy Patinkin and his wife and the scientists. Yeah, I don't care. Like they could just be housing them or visiting. I don't care what. But <laughs> visiting. I would. I'm. If you if you need someone to replace Ian Holm in this case with that same kind of warmth and cre- um, credibility, uh-huh. you got to go Mandy Patinkin. Uh huh. So that's how I uh, seal awards character. She's great, but she doesn't do a whole lot in this movie except for be like the ex-wife. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't really feel a need to replace her. Um, I don't know who the, and everybody else is kind of interchangeable. You'd have to really rework the, the homeless guy character. Cause he's a great concept in the sense of like, he is a survival uh-huh, character, uh-huh. but it was every time he came on screen, I was like, this makes me uncomfortable. Because <laughs> he's, a, he's a punchline. And I don't really like, Dude gets kicked out of every single place he tries to walk into. Right, right, like, yeah. And, and, and it's never said in, like, a way that's question. Like, this is questionable behavior. It's like that silly man trying to bring a dog into a library. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. 
so we'd really have to re rethink that. Um, so that's my fantasy casting, though. Okay. Okay. There you go. How about you, Van? Got three letters for you guys. A, B, C, which means all black cast. All right. Awesome. Great. Okay. So Dennis Dennis Quaid, mm -hmm. swapping him out, we're bringing in Idris Elba. Oh, but always. In this situation, we we're, we're leaving Idris Elba mm -hmm. as English Idris Elba. Oh, good. Good. Right? We're not we're like we're we're not going American Idris Elba. Okay, we're going good. English Idris Elba because I think that the the American guy trying to save the world mm -hmm. from I think that's played. I don't think they that the world thinks of as that anymore. <laughs> like, I think I think it's gonna be English guy. Yeah. He is married to I, I always uh, get her name wrong, but I just love her. Uh, Google Mbatha Raw. Google Mbatha oh, Raw. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Mbatha yeah. Yeah. Okay. Put, her, put her anywhere and she will thrive in any role. Right. Any role. So I'm going to expand the Seal Award role. Okay. 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 I'm going to change it a little bit, but that's who she's going to be. I mm -hmm. love her, by the way. Great. Really, really no reason to cast her in such an inconsequential role. Right. But I'm doing it. Yeah. But just to so have I could. Her around. Yes. Right. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's, uh, it's so funny that you had Trevor. Jake Gyllenhaal's character is Trevor. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, Trevor's best friend in the industry is Zendaya. So mm -hmm. she is Emmy Rossum's character. Oh, what a pair. Yeah. Oh, God. Right. Going back and forth. Put me in that library. I'm ready now, to see it. The that, that's the heat. That's the thing yeah, is that you, you keep off that chemistry. Yeah. So now, now I'm going to change it up a little bit because I have to make. I have to change the characters. I have to make Trevor the most popular guy in school. Okay. He's an underachiever. Sure. Okay. So he so he's afraid. Zendaya is uh, very brainy. Yeah. He's afraid to show her how brainy he really is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And through this cataclysm, he shows her how brainy he is. Okay. Um. So I have <laughs> the uh the vice president asshole character still black though. Clark Peters. Do you guys know Clark Peters? Yes, yes, yes. From The Wire. Yeah, okay, yes. yeah. He played Lester Freeman in The Wire. Oh, yeah. God, him, yeah. I'm going to give him his shot at, at, at being a villain. Um, And the other character, the only other character I thought of casting was the guy who's holding on to the, um, the, uh, the, the Bible. The Bible. I'm going to go with Giancarlo Esposito for him. Oh, yeah, that's a good, oh, he's, yeah, that's like a good one. That. Yeah. yeah, just because because he can be he can give you sinister. I want to hear his also, voice saying yeah, those lines. He yes, can also give you dignified to where he gives you that, and then after that, whatever. But we're going listen, like we're going. Uh, I I started to do it with the whole cast of Friday, but I didn't want to. But like <laughs> like, like we're going all black cast day after yeah. tomorrow. Cause you know what, man, I, I want to see a movie. I might write one myself. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I want to see a movie where we we get a chance to survive and save the world and stuff like yes. that. Yes, yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's our turn. I'm producing now. I'm producing now. Let me know however I can help you and facilitate <laughs> this for you. Right. I, I, I am here to burn the musty, shitty old doors down uh, from the let's Hollywood gate. So let's, I want to see it. I just love the idea of, like, that if you're going to expand the, the wife role, that it, she goes along. And so now you've That's got the two of them, thinking. the two of them, and it becomes that twister vibe of the I two of them that. bickering and solving their marriage yeah. while snowshoeing across the northeastern states. <laughs> so it is. Right. And then the, the, the other guy still, oh, or maybe we reworked, we reworked the scene mm -hmm. 
where one of them falls through. Yeah. And it's almost like a trust oh, fall. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no matter what, I'm not cutting this. Yeah. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. You don't cut this. Don't you leave me. And then maybe yeah, they both yeah. fall or he pulls her up. Or maybe she, you know what? She pulls him up. And the rope is their marriage. <laughs> yes. The rope is their marriage. She pulls him up. <laughs> yes. The rope is their marriage. God. Yeah, and, and when she cuts, when she cuts that rope. rope at the bottom for the of the sled, that's all the baggage they've been carrying from their marriage in the past. Right. Symbolic. Sorry, this is now me just completely in my head doing the what's this movie really about for your movie that hasn't been made yet. This no, I love I love that rework because I, I think that's a great idea. Just to like that alone, and then also yeah, you're right. There isn't a movie that has a black cast uh, like that does a disaster, a big tentpole disaster. Oh no, we do not have our we do not have our all black cast disaster epic. I mean, Which, that's, there's reasons for that though. That, that's because there's a chance that we might just be like, fuck it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, well, it's a in chance. Which case, in which case, I would like to see that different perspective on the campaign. Like, right. like, all right, now the goal is survival, and here's right. our choice, and here's what we do. Right. You know here's what I'm our. Here's how we handle this with dignity in our way. We do. Well, I mean, you know, we, we're prob we're a problem solving people, and I would like to see us get the opportunity yeah. to solve a major world. Although we did get Captain Hillard. From Independence Day, that is he, true. He was he was on point right there, which you know, love that. Sad, sad that Will didn't come back for the sequel because I really didn't want to watch it without him. There's <laughs> no reason to watch any Independence Day sequel if it's not going to involve Will Smith punching right. an alien. Like why, sure. if Will Smith doesn't punch an alien, just the, an alien so I watched. I, I watched this on DVD because I was like, I have to watch this. Like, why wouldn't you watch this on DVD? It's such <laughs> a great time capsule, and they uh -huh. have. In the beginning, beforehand, I don't know if you remember how on DVDs mm. they would show you that supercut of upcoming features from this like other DVDs. You can <laughs> yeah, love that, that. man. That's so great. It was such a good little time capsule, and it was Man on Fire with Denzel Washington and Dakota Baby Dakota Fanning. Mm. Oh, which literal, if you had, literal baby. I, I had no idea what the plot of that movie was, and then I watched. I was, I was like, I didn't know that that's what Man on Fire was about. Cool. I, <laughs> great. Now I know. I feel like I've seen it. I robot. So you get Will Smith, yeah, Will Smith arguing with a robot, and then Ooh. Alien versus Predator. Oh, wow. So that was the trifecta, but I was like, as I was watching, I was watching Will Smith argue with a robot, and I was like, this is, only he can do this. Only right. he can save the world in these very specific ways. And it, like, but the more like, important it's thing such is, a skill. We went to see that shit. Yeah. Like, we, I, like, I, like, it was like, Will, oh, shit, we there, dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how many, like, how many, they gotta, like, we, we there is, bro, before you go, it's Will and a robot sidekick. I don't give a fuck who it is. <laughs> and we there, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's, that, that lets you know that the shine is somewhat, or the bloom is somewhat off of the rose, because mm -hmm. had Bright come out, had, had Bright come out in yeah, 2004, right. yeah. Bright would have made $600 million. Yeah, with Will and an orc. Yeah, it's oh god, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like, I could, my homies would be like, "Yo, dog, I promise you, bro, this shit is crazy, dog. It's Will and one of the dudes from Lord of the Rings <laughs> ride around." You know what I'm saying? Like it would, yeah. it would, it would, it would have been insane. Yeah, you're right. No, that that would have opened a hundred percent. Bright still did well though. Tragically well. <laughs> the most the most shit I've ever gotten for anything I've ever written 
was a post that was just 20 outstanding questions that the Bright sequel needs to answer. And it was just me shredding Bright for 20 questions on Vulture. You got so much shit for that. People found me on Instagram via, like, when I blocked them on Twitter, they found me on Instagram to comment on, like, cityscape photos of Los Angeles to tell me I didn't understand sci-fi fantasy. It's mm-hmm. those stupid Max Landis fanboys. I was to say, every I don't, single it, person... That was just Max Landis. I was <laughs> every single person was Max himself. Yeah. Every, yeah. every single yeah. person was Max himself. Yeah. Every single one. Fuck that guy. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna like I, I don't have it very cohesive. I just have isolated people that I would like to see in these roles, and I'll like f- would figure out later how they would like uh, it, interconnect to one another. But I just really want I really want to see Dev Patel as Dennis Quaid. Oh, that works. I really want to. I the the hair and the the, great hair. the facial hair, and there's just such a there's such a gravitas about him. I really want to see him with the snowy hood around him. My mother I, calls him a lovely man. He seems like a lovely man. And yeah. God, just so handsome. And beauty bias, again, I'd put we'd put that mask on. I sure hope. Right. Uh, any of us for Dev Patel. Um and I want the kids in the library. I really like I guess their their Netflix YA pairing just really worked for me because I want the the Jake Gyllenhaal, Emmy Rossum to be Justice Smith and Elle Fanning. Oh. Okay, yeah. I just want to see those two little angels uh, <laughs> find their way into each other's arms. I would want to make that I would want there to be a an actual British monarchy figure. Like I would want I would be more of an on-screen demise coming from Balmoral. And so the only living members of the royal family to succeed the line would be Meghan Markle in the role of princess. Yeah. And suddenly she's the queen of England that doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. Yeah. And we can, fuck, just cast her and Prince Harry too in like playing themselves cameo roles. Like they're living in LA now. So like they've signed with like CAA or something. Right. So Meghan Markle is the heiress to the throne of England and the rest are gone. And uh, suddenly, you know, it's her, 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 her kingdom, her rules, and um, she fucking puts everybody in Tower of London, like, <laughs> it, like, like, it, like it, everybody that fucked over her. She's, yeah. Oh, I'm the queen now. <laughs> Round them up. <laughs> the entirety of the British tabloid system is like, oh, hey guys, guess what we're bringing back? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it would be, yeah, it would be it, the the epilogue where we like see like the Americans in Mexico settling in. Like we would see Megan making strategic calls about vanquishing her right. her family enemies and rivals. Oh, that one and, that one really that one really horrible old woman was it Katie Hoskins or whatever? Yeah, her head on a pike. Right. Yeah, the, her head on a pike at the Rio Grande. I, I'm not saying that's the thing I want to see in real life. It would be in a movie. I want to make that very clear. Yeah, in a movie, a character yeah, akin crazy. to her. And and I I want uh, I want instead of Ian Holm, uh, Elizabeth Debicki, mm. being all of her six foot three majesty <laughs> around a bunch of just like hobbit sized Scottish scientists. <laughs> I God, I would love to see it. So those were those were the main ones I was interested in. Okay. Nice. Nice. 
And so now we then arrive at the towering inferno assessment. How many towering infernos does the day after tomorrow receive? Do you want to start us off, Van, with your with your choice on the day? It's out of five. Just I don't think we covered. It's yeah, out of five. it's out of five. Um, I give four. Okay. Four. Uh, I, I it, it can't be. I'm trying to think of what the quintessential because I think whenever I think of out of five, I think of the way the source used to rate classic hip-hop albums and it was like if you got five mics then it was like crazy right i wouldn't put this in like that but it hit every spot right Mm -hmm. if you if you walk into the movies i guess it'd have to be a more serious and like uh i guess maybe contagion if contagion's a disaster movie maybe contagion spot you know what i mean like a serious one i'm hey i'm matt damon and i'm in the you know whatever yeah uh but but no I, i give it four I give it, right. I give, I'll give, I'll give it four. I'll put it in the, the, the China Syndrome Hall of Fame for me. All right. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Amanda, what do you think? Um, you know what? I was I, I was going back and forth between like four and four and a quarter. Like, I think I might just bump it up to four and a quarter. It's so good. It's got so many of these, those moments that are just so quintessentially a disaster movie and so iconic. I mean, just the image. I, I have a movie poster of, tw- of Day After Tomorrow in my apartment. <laughs> like, from... From 2004, it's like a little holographic thing that goes from New York being covered in water to oh. if you move to the side, the frozen ah. statue covered in ice. Yeah. It's just like, and those are iconic images now. Yeah. I mean, that, so it, you can't, I can't, it, but there's the, like the, just about two thirds of the way through the movie, it really starts to sag for a little bit. A little bit, a little okay. bit. There's a little bit where they just like, they've blown their budget on all the disasters. And then you're just kind of like, well, now we're just hanging out. Right. <laughs> and so if they were just if it were a little bit tighter through there it would bump it up to volcano level five for me because volcano is my five yeah like, that's, 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 that's kind of our, <laughs> volcanoes are five yeah um uh, and and so we kind of compare everything to that and that's that's for me it's yeah it's like four and a quarter i just a little bit above a four it's really close but if someone says like i'm not gonna watch it but i believe i, I love all disaster movies but i'm never gonna see it i would like punch them in the taint sort of thing but no <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go four and I'm gonna go four and a half. It's not okay. it's not perfect. It's not perfect. There's certainly room uh, room for improvements, but I cannot deny the impact of the spectacle when I first saw it and the the truly the, the emblazoned in my mind like the fall through the top of the mall, yeah. the icing mm-hmm. over of the city, the tsunami like that. Those things are just so crucial as images. I, I gotta I gotta give it a four and a half to to Roland Emmerich for really cementing, even if the core was a pioneer in its way. I the, know it's this is truly the spect the pure spectacle disaster movie was really taken to a new threshold with this one. So I'm gonna go four and a half towering. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. I, what a fulfilling experience. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you so that. much for coming on. I, yeah. This was such a cool, unexpected thing. I, yeah, what a treat. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, I was I'm, definitely in the middle of listening to your podcast when I got your reply, and I had to pause it and like pull over to the side of the road. And I was like, <laughs> this is the coolest, most surreal thing. I'm His voice is on my radio, yeah. but he's responding to a DM about <laughs> earthquakes. To, to, this is the best thing in the world right now. To sit down and talk about movies for like, you know what I mean? Like, this is what, this is what I live for. What a... Yes. All, all, it makes me feel like I didn't waste my time filling up my head with all <laughs> of this stuff 
Yes. Years and years and years. So I'm really happy you guys had me on. What a fun and fulfilling podcast. It's a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for making the time. Yeah, And we we have to hash out what movie we're going to do next week as we have not done that yet. So you do not have to hang around for the conclusion of that. But before, if you dip out, before you go, could you tell everybody where to find you? Yeah, on social, you, and you mentioned your podcast. Your things, feel yeah. free to oh, shout out. Uh, like, uh, at Van Lathan on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, and then uh, Higher Learning every mm, Tuesday and Friday <laughs> and Way Down in the Hole, which is, uh, we're rewatching every episode of HBO's classic series, The Wire. I love this podcast. Uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, but that might be moving next week. So just stay up on my socials to to let people know like what days we might move that podcast to but um yeah i really appreciate it this was a lot of fun you guys thank you thank so you much so thank much. you yeah that and you guys really just subscribe to, to his podcast seriously because even if you don't know what day of the week it is i never know what day of the week it is anymore <laughs> but you'll open up your podcast app and you'll be like oh damn there's another higher learning good like Sweet. just be ple- you will be pleasantly surprised every time that you find out that your phone has downloaded his voice again oh, so thank you. pretty sweet no, it's, it's, so yeah, subscribe and then yeah, we'll we'll have to hash out. Now we have to figure out the next week because we never do that in advance because that requires planning. <laughs> that requires planning and thinking about next week. All right, guys, okay. thank you so much for having All right, me. Thank you. Thank so you. Have a good day. Thanks, man. Bye. All right, so next week we've decided we are going to do a movie that it turns out exists, even though we pitched it during this podcast. Day of the Animals: A Shocking Vision of Things to Come from 1977. Wow. The depletion of the Earth's ozone layer causes animals above the altitude of 5,000 feet to run amok, which is very unfortunate for, yes, (laughs) a specific altitude, which is very unfortunate for a group of hikers who got dropped off up there by helicopter just before the quarantine is announced. Wow. Has Christopher George, Leslie Nielsen, Linda Day George. And uh, it is available to stream on, as always, our favorite. Uh, it says, well, nope, it doesn't have Tubi here on this. Definitely on Amazon. Um, it, it's available for rent on Amazon, iTunes, all those places. It was saying Tubi as well. I'm not sure if that's the, still the case. Um, when I went to expand the Just Watch information, it didn't seem to have it. What's so give the, it a try what's there. the title again one more time? Day of the Animals. Day of the Animals. Okay. I'll, I'll do a quick yeah. search on Tubi while we wrap up just to confirm. Okay. So, yeah. So, theoretically. Right. Places to stream, um, and that will be our episode for next week. That's a good vintage one. Sounds so, great, Jordan. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, of course, at J O R C R U, and then head on over to the Patreon. Why don't you? Patreon.com/slash Cruciola. Uh, read all my things, and hell, subscribe to them too. Uh, as you should. It's Jordan makes great content. I do. Jason, where can we find you? You can find me at uh, Jason Halftones on any social media platform. I'll be posting some comics and stuff here pretty soon. It'll be a fun time. Awesome. Yay. And then I'm uh, Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. <laughs> and uh, y- really you can quick, find me there. Mm, Day yes. of the Animals is available on Tubi. Oh, fantastic. All right. So Tubi time. Great news. Get it on Tubi. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, constantly, unrelentingly, probably needing to get other hobbies, but that's mine for now. Um, and you can always, if you are a really big fan of absurdist sort of uh, microfiction, 
find you can buy my book on Amazon about a baseball player who time travels and uh, fights Nazis and plays baseball. Hell yeah! Don't miss out on that. Really quick, yeah, want to shout it's out. Really cool. Want to shout out also uh, the reviews and and ratings on iTunes. Uh, we got a five star that I don't think we've read on the pod yet uh, from oh, yeah? Sindanin or however you say. No, it. we did. That was the trucker. We read. We read the trucker. That's truck driver. right. It was the trucker. Oh, that okay. was the truck driver. We read that, which right, you know what, is still right. a great one. Still you a great one. You know what? I am going to hold on. That's a really good point, Jason. We've gotten a lot of really nice words on uh, Twitter recently. Hell yeah. And KSH underscore two thousand one. Just tweeted uh, earlier today, just started Disaster Pod at the recommendation of a friend because of our shared love of disaster movies. Good job, and, friend. And my grad school specialty in disasters. Thanks a million, Traveling TVI, for the suggestion. Love it already and not even done with the very first episode yet. Perfect. So I mean, we started so- strong. We started real strong. Yeah. So I'm we glad did bring, you We brought enjoyed. our A game on that one. <clears throat> so thank you. That's Keely. Thank you so much for taking the time to tweet about us. Um, and... For your friend, Katie. Katie, thank you for telling Keely to listen to this. Like, this is what you guys got to be doing is yep. bullying your friends into listening to our podcast. Harass your friends. It's yeah. quarantine. You need some stuff to talk about <laughs> yeah, when you're you on the Zoom calls. Do. So you should all, you know, separately listen to the podcast. And then when you reconvene for your game night or trivia or whatever thing. Your jackbox. You, yeah, Look, you'll be able yeah. to, like, you know, make some casual conversation before you get into it. Because we all know the awkward feeling of getting on a Zoom call and being like, oh, hey, uh, uh, like, you can be like, hey, do you listen to that Disaster <laughs> Girls? Ba-ba. Like, it's so yeah. easy. And everyone will there think you're is. really cool. There it is. You know, there's book clubs. Why not have a pod club? Why not yeah. have a pod club? That's a good point, actually. Have yeah. a pod club. Have a pod club. <laughs> For us. Be, have your own little Disaster Diva pod club. You know, just make this happen. This is our community now. Hell this yeah. is all we have. <laughs> this is really all we have in the way of community now. Um <laughs> So I guess that brings us to the end. So rate, review, guys. Uh, please subscribe to us. Subscribe to uh, Higher Learning, which is on the Ringer Network. That was Van's podcast. Subscribe to In the Hole, which is his other podcast. Um, and we'll see you all back next week for Day of the Animals. We will see you there, guys. Bye. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>